This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. So we can ask some of you what your best Christmas present you ever got was. What's the best Christmas present you ever got? Think about that now. What's the, what would be the answer that you would give right now? Best Christmas present you've ever received. And from, from some of you, I heard things like it was my first guitar. My parents bought me when I was two or three. And you sent me a little picture of you holding the guitar. You can still remember. And for some of you, I have a friend who is in, um, she's a worship leader, a young worship leader who, um, when I was in South Carolina, we brought on and uh, started mentoring. She's now on staff at at New Life Church in in Lubbock, Texas, and really kind of has grown into a a phenomenal uh, young worship leader. I'm excited about what God's doing in her in her life, and she said last year when she was getting ready to graduate from college, all the work that she had to do, she was pouring her life into um, that ministry as an intern, not getting paid, and her mom saved up and bought her a MacBook Pro. I'm a Mac fan. I, I love Macs, and I, but I also know that Macs go for about five times what PCs go for. And so in her mind, that's just the, this huge sacrifice this big gift that her mom gave. Kendra, Kendra replied last year, we got married. We got married last year at Christmas. It's the best Christmas gift I ever got. Amy, Amy said a few years ago, Travis and I rededicated our lives to Jesus around Christmas. Best gift I ever got. Some of our friends, Jake and Christy Oliver, found out a year ago that they were pregnant at Christmas. And then I thought, where are we in the inverse of that? What's the worst gift you ever got at Christmas? What's the worst gift? And I love asking those kind of questions because people have all kinds of answers to them. At first, somebody came on and and said, there are no bad gifts. You You know, everyone probably has a good intention, really, and we need to measure the gift based on the intention of the giver. And I knew somebody was going to prove her wrong. <laughs> and my friend Leslie that I, I talked with at North Stanley um, posted on my, on my Facebook this story that she was asked out in, in the fall of, of high school uh, by a guy. And, and she turned him down. And uh, he, he gave her a Christmas present that year. It ended up being a possum's tail. <laughs> She said, I don't really know what he was trying to do. Was he trying to win me back? I mean, he just proved the point. I shouldn't have went out with him. You gave me a possum's tail. See, the thing is, is that Christmas is all about gifts. We love gifts around this time of year. And the reason that is in our mind is because ultimately the greatest gift that was ever given to humanity through God's Son was given to us. And that's really what we celebrate. But I'm afraid that we don't quite understand the best gifts. So let's look at this passage of Scripture. This is really going to be where we're going to camp out in during this series. James 1, 16 and 17 
The Bible says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So the first thing in your notes today that I would remind you of is this. The best gifts always come from Jesus. The best gifts always come from Jesus. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. The best gifts come from Jesus. Now look at this little passage, and we're going to take two little notes that the Apostle Paul drops in letters that he is writing to young Timothy who's in ministry. And I want you to see some things that he says. In 1 Timothy 4.14, the Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. Do not neglect your gift which was given to you. Do not neglect your gift which was given to you. That lets me know this, that it is possible to receive a gift that we never unwrap. The Apostle Paul is encouraging him not to neglect that gift because it is a possibility that he might neglect the gift. And the truth is, is that we have probably received some gifts from God that we are neglecting right now. And then in 2 Timothy 1.16, Apostle Paul again to young Timothy says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. I remind you to fan this. In other words, there's a small ember there. You're using the gift. I see the evidence of the fact that you have been doing what I encouraged you to, to not neglect it, but it is not the fire that it could be. So fan it into flame. Here's what I would tell you about that. Is that we need to grow to use, understand, and utilize these gifts. Ultimately, we need to unwrap them and to start using them. And that's really what this series is all about. We're going to take three weeks and look at the best gifts that God has ever given us. And we're going to examine them and we're going to ask God in, in this place as we look at his word to unwrap them for us. Because it would be a sad thing at the end of Christmas as we have gathered with our family and, and many of us sacrificed and sacrificed to get, to get presents for our kids, if there was one present that was left under the tree. And the person that that present was addressed to simply didn't even want to open it. And sometimes as a parent, you're sitting there going, this is the best gift. This is the one. You don't want to open this one. I think that that's just how God looks at us sometimes. I've paid the price. I've delivered the gift. All you've got to do is unwrap it 
start understanding and using. So let's go back to the beginning of the Christmas narrative today. We're really going to camp out in, in Matthew 1. Matthew 1 opens with an odd thing for us, because many of us do not begin to introduce ourselves by talking about genealogy. We don't go, well, I'm Kevin, the son of Gene Simmons. He is the son of Clay Simmons, who is the son of Sanford Simmons. Um, I don't do that, right? But that's how the Bible begins to introduce us to Jesus in Matthew. And it traces the family history from Jesus back to David, and then from David back to Abraham. And there's some reasons why it does that. It does that because there's Old Testament prophecy that links the coming Messiah to the house of David and to the lineage of Abraham. And so the writer Matthew is going to links so that he can demonstrate to us that this is indeed who Jesus is. And then in Matthew 18, Matthew 1 and 18, the writer begins to tell us about the birth of Jesus. I want you to listen to this because there's some stuff in here that I'm hoping to unpack for us today that maybe you haven't ever thought about. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, I'm just going to, y'all know what that means, right? Um, before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, we have read that story so much that the scandal that is associated with that statement escapes our minds. There is a young woman that is betrothed to be married to an older man. They have not been together. The marriage has not been consummated. And she shows up pregnant, saying, this was conceived by the Holy Spirit. What? Really? You're not going to pass that off on me. I'm not going to take that. And that's exactly how Joseph planned to deal with it. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, y'all stay with me and read this like you never heard it before. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 
but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave her the name Jesus. See, the thing that's powerful about this story is that the beginning of the story of Jesus is wrapped in a family. It's wrapped inside the context of a family. You see, God, at the very beginning, begins the story by letting us know Jesus was a part of a family and it links him to David. His lineage goes backward to David and then to Abraham. But because of the way that Jesus was conceived, Joseph's reaction was the same that ours would be. You're full of it. The Holy Spirit, my butt. (laughs) And he planned in a righteous way to divorce her quietly. And what happened? An angel of the Lord appeared (coughs) and convinced him to keep her as his wife, asked him to take her home, name her son, be his father. And he did. You see, God intersects Joseph's decision to keep a family unit intact so that his son, when he comes to earth, will be born inside of a family. So let's be honest about this first gift that we're going to unwrap. And that first gift is this, it's family. You know, historically, in our culture, Christmas has been a time that we slow down and focus on our family. 50 50 years ago, 30 years ago, Christmas Day, the day before Christmas, those days were reserved for family. This, this, we go to the reason that Christmas Eve services popped up was we can go to church as a family on Christmas Eve. But let's just be honest about where we are right now. Right now in our culture, gifts have become more important than family at Christmas. The gift itself, the exchanging of something between someone else and as parents, the desire to give our kids bigger and better Christmases than we ever experienced as children. To the point that I have seen families sacrifice their financial future, mortgage houses to pay for Christmases. (coughs) 
It's a few questions just to think about in that regard. Compare how much time you're spending shopping this Christmas. Compare how much time you're actually going to spend shopping in comparison with how much time you're actually going to spend with the people that you're shopping to give gifts to. I mean, I'll be honest with you, that one hurts. Because I'll spend five hours looking for a gift for someone that I'm going to spend 30 minutes with. What are you sacrificing right now simply to buy more presents? I'm going to. Let me just share with you what I've seen parents do. I've seen parents going into November and December say, I need to start picking up some extra shifts so that I can pay for Christmas. Really? So what you're going to do is you're going to spend more time at work. You're going to spend time away from your family so that you can buy your kids more stuff. You're going to sacrifice time for stuff. For many of us, the truth about the gift of family is that the gift of family has been left unwrapped. The gift of family, the gift that God intends to give to us through Family has been left unwrapped. And there's some problems with family. There's some problems with it. Because family has a difficult meaning for some of us personally. Because our families weren't the families that they needed to be. In a room this size, it's really not uncommon to deal with people that have stories of abuse. And and some very difficult situations that existed in their families. And so when we start talking about family and the gift that probably lies therein, many of us are just sitting back going, that's not my family. And it's also not uncommon in a room like this for there to be people that are a part of what we would call a non-traditional family. Perhaps the, the result of a divorce and remarriage. Maybe a single mom a single dad. And it's really easy to think, well, everybody else's family is a gift, but ours is just kind of a broken mess of remnants that we're trying to put together. But let's go back to the gifts that you shared on Facebook. There's two realities that I saw there. As you guys shared with me what the best gift you ever got. The first one was, it was a gift that was so extravagant, you could never have afforded it on your own. And you knew that. You knew, I couldn't, I couldn't, my friend Amanda could not afford that MacBook Pro. She knew it. And so last Christmas, that gift, one of those that stands out, because it was extravagant. It was something that she couldn't do for herself. But then, everybody else's responses had to do with relationships. 
most often, most often dealing with family. So if that's our reality, let's look at what it might take to embrace the gift. To embrace the gift. The first thing that I would tell you to embrace the gift of family is that we need to remember that relationships will impact you. Lifelong relationships will transform you. Relationships will have an impact on you, but lifelong relationships will transform you. How many of you have ever had this thought, and it's annoying, you don't want to have it, but you have it? I'm just like my mom. I am just like my dad. You don't want to have it. I don't want it to be that way. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. I look at it, I go, oh God, all that stuff I used to dislike about my dad, it's right here. And I love my dad. He's awesome. Really? You want to know why it's that way? Because they're family. There's genetics in there, but it's the fact that you had a relationship with them your entire life. And they have, you've been transformed by that relationship. As a child, you sat back and watched them and how they interacted with difficult circumstances. You watched their reactions when the crap hit the fan. And you sat there and you learned how to deal with it. And that's why when we get into those situations, many of us sit back and go, I just I did the same thing my dad would have done. And you get frustrated about it, but we learn. And those lifelong relationships. Here's the problem. The Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron, so as one man sharpens another. That relationships will transform us. But many of us, have friends, and when they make us mad or it gets difficult, we walk on them. And we leave them behind. And we might have been slightly impacted by them. We never experience what God wants to do in a lifelong friendship because that's what family is. You can't run from your family. And that's why a lifelong relationship will transform us. It is iron sharpening iron after year after year after year. It is transforming in us. Here's the second thing that I would tell you. To embrace the gift that is family. Number two, every family has its own version of crazy. Every family has its own version of crazy. And most of us prefer our brand. And we look at everybody else and go, that, that family's crazy. You see what they're doing? And they're sitting there looking at you going, that family's crazy too. I don't know what's up with that family. I, I had a friend come up to me and tell me the other day that they were at Thanksgiving 
and and they were just sitting there listening to their family talk about each other. And, and, and one family was talking about how crazy the other family was, and then that family was talking about how other crazy the other family was, and they were sitting there thinking, really? Y'all can't see it. We're all crazy. We're all crazy. We all have a different brand of crazy, and the truth is, is that things that aren't our type of crazy really bother us. They get on our nerves. They ruffle our feathers. Requires a lot more grace probably than we really want to give. And Sometimes, even in the context of family, there's different strands of crazy that run through families. And it's really easy to go, that they're crazy. I don't want to deal with them anymore. Because every time I'm around them, I got to deal with, I got to listen to my uncle talk about the same 15 stories about Obama. I'm just tired of it. You know, and, but everything, and you, you have your own little crazy version too. So, you know, to embrace the gift of family, we have to embrace the fact that we all have, we would call that generational sin. That's really what we would call it theologically, that. There is sin that is passed down throughout family, and and it, it, it just exists there. The, the Bible tells us, uh, as as God is delivering the Ten Commandments, that the sins of the fathers will be visited on the next generations, somewhere to three and four gener- generations removed. That's not a judgment statement. That's a practical statement. It's not God saying, I'm going to punish your kids. But dads that turn to booze when, you know, it gets difficult, teach kids to turn to booze when things get difficult. The the truth is that dads that abuse wives teach young men to abuse wives. Young women or women and moms who don't want to fulfill the godly calling that's on their lives to be good mothers and to be good stewards of their relationship with their kids, teach their kids the same thing too. And by God's grace, we can stand up and go, no more, this one's done. This, this is not going past me. But I promise you, there's stuff that's in your family that you can't see, because it's normal to me. Your family has its own version of crazy. And that should free us to give some grace to other crazy families too. And number three, if your family has failed you, and there are some of you in here that that's you, if your family has failed you, I want you to realize that God has invited you into another one. If your family has failed you, God has invited you into another one. So let's look at the work that we would need to do to unwrap this gift this Christmas? What would it take to unwrap the gift of family and relationships? Here's what I would tell you. The first thing that we need to do is to make your family your second priority this Christmas. Make your family your second priority. Because your first should be experiencing Jesus. 
And I promise you that there is no real way to be a great dad, a great mom, a great husband, a great wife, a great son or daughter without having a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And if our priority is not always Jesus is first, everything else in the order of importance falls behind him. If we don't do that, we'll blow it. We'll make our kids little mini demigods and we'll worship them. We'll sacrifice our finances for them and our homes for them. Instead of realizing that God called us to be stewards of them because they're not even ours, they're his. So we want to commit to make our family our second priority this Christmas. Here's some things that I would give you that are practical steps that you can do this Christmas right now. You can do when you walk out the door. The first one is for those of you that have broken relationships inside of your family right now. So you can ask and give forgiveness to restore relationships. I want to tell you something. Some of you are waiting for someone to come and apologize. They've hurt you, they've wounded you, and you're waiting for them to come and apologize, and you can forgive them before they ever need to do that. All you need to do is pick up the phone and say, hey, I want you to know what happened. It was years ago, and I was hurt, but I want you to know I prayed and I forgive you. I'm not going to let that stand in between us anymore. That's being life-giving and gracious. Just like God has been with us. He sent his son Jesus a long time before we ever decided we wanted him. The second thing is measure. Measure your attention to your family by your time this Christmas. Measure the attention that you're giving your family by your time, not by your internal intentions. Well, I intended to, or my intent with this. No, give them your time. Deuteronomy 6 contains, just for parents, the shamans. For a Jew, it's the passage of the Bible that tells us how to be a parent. And basically it is, here's the plan. Spend time with your kids every day. So measure whether you are committed to your family and unwrapping the gift by the time. And I know that for some of y'all, that's going to be white, just really uncomfortable. Spending time with your family just doesn't sound cool. I understand that. The last thing that I would I would tell you is that you would be, it would be good advice to consider creating chunks of time for your family. Quality time is born out of quality or quantity time. Quality time is born out of quantity time. So create chunks of time, days, half days, that you don't have to do anything with anybody else. That you and your family just get to be together. And here's something else that I think is very important. Establish traditions for your family. Establish traditions for your family. Those things that you do, that this is what our family does throughout the holiday experience. This is how we navigate it. We go out to eat at Applebee's. 
I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you guys make it happen. You establish a tradition that your family can buy into. And the second thing to unwrap the gift is experience the love and acceptance of your church family. You see, God knew that there were going to be families that would blow it. There would be moms that walk away. There would be dads that wash their hands of their kids. There would be families that split up. God knew that this was going to happen. It didn't catch him off guard. Which is why throughout the Bible in Romans 18 and Romans 9, 4, Galatians 4, 5, Ephesians 1, 5, the Bible presents a very different picture of family for us. And it tells us that we have been adopted. That we have been adopted. That we were born into sin and orphaned by sin. That we were out on our own. That we were a, a good shot for the enemy. But that by God's grace, he sent his son Jesus who died for us in our place so that we could be adopted into a family we had no right to be in. Because he paid the price. He made the choice. I want to share with you a story of my, my friends, Holly and Mike. When, when they started attending our church a year ago, they were in the final preparation stages of doing an adoption, and that's really all they talked about. I mean, they, they were like, yes, we'll get involved, but we're looking at adopting, and if that ever happens, we're going to have to end that. It's just so cute, because they were so excited about the prospect of adopting. And they got all their paperwork and all their home study, all that stuff taken care of, and then they had to sit and wait. Is that how, that's how it works with adoption. And they knew going into this that if they said, you know, we want a, a Caucasian boy, we're going to have to wait a little while. Because those are the ones everyone, and they just said, hey, we don't care. We want a kid. Whatever, whatever God has in store for us, we don't, we're open. This past summer, they got a call because I'm their pastor, one of the few people that they could let know, they let me know. Hey, we're about to drive out of town in the morning. We got a call. We're going to go meet a prospective mother. They went and met the mom, and the mom selected them. But this woman had walked into a hospital and given birth and literally walked out and left this baby. And she chose them. And they went back to a baby that they had never met, whose family they don't know. And they held him, and they said, this is my son. I texted Holly the other day, and I said, what's the best gift you've ever been given? And she said, first is my relationship with Jesus, but the second is Jensen. This is a picture of that. 
See, sin left us in a hospital without a mom and dad. Left us broken. It left us homeless. It left us alone. It left us without a family. And God looked at you and he looked at me and he said, I'll be your dad. I'll be the dad that your dad could never be. I'll give you a family that you could never deserve. That's why we use the term church family. Because that's what God has invited us into. We don't deserve it. But it's the greatest gift that we'll ever unwrap. It's life changing. So this Christmas, let's do the work to unwrap the gift of family and relationships and experience what it's like to be loved that way. Let's pray. God, many of us today recognize that we've just been blowing it. We've been lost. And God, we recognize that we need you. Maybe we're feeling a little bit like an orphan that was left and abandoned. And maybe we've thought that our family was supposed to be there to pick us up and dust us off and make everything okay. But it, it hasn't been. And God, I just look to you today in the midst of our friends and say, would you come please? And remind us that you made a way through your son, Jesus, that we can be adopted into a family and loved and known, appreciated. So with nobody looking around, I just want to ask you a question today. This isn't for you to show off in front of anyone. It's, it's not that kind of a moment. This is a moment for you and Jesus. Maybe today you come in feeling a little bit like an orphan. And the topic of family is something that's broken and hurtful for you. Maybe your life in general feels that way right now. But today, God is looking at you and saying, I will be your dad. I have made a family for you. I will be your dad. Even when your family fails you, I will be your dad. Even when you blow it and you don't get it right, I'll still be your dad. And maybe you've never made the decision to say, God, I, I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. If that's you today and you say that, I want to be a son or a daughter, and I've never really said it before, but I want to. Would you raise your hand right now? Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around, just you. 
Jesus. Is there anybody else that would say that? Is there anybody today that would say, you know what? I realize that I have not looked at my family as the gift that it really is intended to be. I've considered it more of a liability than an asset. But God's convicted me, and I just want to ask God to forgive me and to change that. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? So God, we just pray for those that have responded to you today. And we ask you, by your grace and mercy, to come and to heal them, to lead them, and to help them for your grace to be upon them, that they can grow and take the next step to respond to you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.